0: Welcome to Canucks Talk here on Sportsnet 650. I'm Jamie Dodd. My co-host is Canucks insider Thomas Strand, who also covers the team for The Athletic. Canucks Talk brought to you by Avenue Machinery and Douglas Lake Equipment. Be a champion on the worksite. Find them together online at DLEAMC.com. We are live from the Kintec studio. Kintec, Canada's favorite orthotics provider, powered by thousands of five-star Google reviews, sore feet. What are you waiting for? 650. 650 is the Dunbar Lumber text line. Oh boy, Dranser, do we have a lot to talk about? Something today. happened? Something happened in the last 24 hours with the Canucks. Uh one is all Canucks Media got a lesson. Do not take this week off. If we didn't, if we didn't realize that last year with the Horvat trade. We knew. Do not you know what's funny? I will say. So last year we I did take it off. We both took it off. The show yep. was off the air uh, the week before the All-Star game. This year I decided not to. And on Sunday I was like, "Man, I kind of wish I had." I was like, "I don't know. I'm oh, no, not I don't know. I knew." was looking forward to it. I knew.
1: I I was not I didn't I, know, it know it that this out. was coming, but like I The All-Star breaks always like a weirdly interesting time for news. Mm. Well, I mean, like the contract extension thing, no uh for Alvin, no surprise, no, right? No. You
0: have a chance to sit down, talk it out, right? I get that. Totally but yeah the, the big the two swing, swing and trades trade in a, in a, you know back to back years it's a it's a fact pattern now don't
1: take this week off it, do yes. not do it it's a fact pattern now yeah That's let's go <laughs> nothing exciting more exciting than that no uh, look jim rutherford likes to jump the market right forget running out of time <laughs> this guy sets it yeah and he's done so again you know it's it's interesting to me like i actually think I don't think the Canucks view it this way, but I actually think there's additional impetus, leverage, to making this trade early. Rutherford likes to make trades early because I think he likes to set the market. Mm-hmm. I think he's comfortable determining what fair value is rather than waiting to see where the prices get. You know, this isn't a guy who, who obsesses with, like, the value of every deal. He obsesses over the fit of every deal. Right. Right? Um very much in line with Coach Jigsaw's puzzle guy preferences. And so I think he's comfortable, you know, doing the Bo Horvat trade ahead of the market. And ultimately, at the end of it, once the deadline passes, I think it was totally fair to say, hey, they might have misjudged the market somewhat on the price of taking long-term cap space, Mm -hmm. right? There might be rental returns for, you know, players who are bigger-name players, guys like Jake Gensel, that are equal to or less than what the Canucks paid for Lindholm. But ultimately, I mean, do you know who the second-highest-scoring pending unrestricted free agent right-handed center is behind Elias Lindholm? I don't even want to think. It's Brodzinski. Yeah. He has 11 points. Yeah. Right? Like, in Lindholm's case, he was one of one, and getting the shopping done early from Rutherford's perspective typically is about, like, giving the guy more time to acclimate, shooting a lightning bolt into the locker room. We believe in you. We mm-hmm. think you have a chance. Carry yourself like it. But for me, I ain't getting your shopping done early this year given the massive prize of winning the West. Like everything you can do to juke your chances of finishing ahead of the Winnipeg Jets and the Colorado Avalanche and and avoiding the seven really good playoff teams in the West and instead facing Whichever striver from that, you know, (laughs) mushy, Uh blues, Kraken, Predators, predators. etc. I mean, we saw it last night. Like, I don't know if you watched a lot of Kings Predators, but the Kings are in a different weight class. Fundamentally. I don't care how bad their month has been. I don't care about the Dubois trade working out or not. It hasn't. Like, what I care about is you watch those two teams play and you're like, oh, this is different. Fundamentally different. You'd far rather face one than the other come playoff time. And getting home now, I do think meaningfully jukes like Dom Lecission, uh upgraded their point. point projection by two 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 and a half points just off the back of this trade. Well, th- that might seem marginal, but margins Huge. mean a Huge ton. Huge
0: for potential standings. A yeah. ton. Uh, without further Given ado, the state of the Western let's get into the whiteboard here. All right now, fellas, Hey, let's focus up, huh? Your daily deep dive into what's up with the Canucks today, February 1st, 2024, and as mentioned, starting with the headline, the Canucks acquire Elias Lindholm from the Calgary Flames going the other way, Andre Kuzmenko, prospect Hunter Bristevich, the Canucks 2024 first round pick, a conditional 2024 fourth, and also prospect Yoni Yurmo, so big deal, brings, as you
1: said, a kind of one-on-one piece to the Canucks well ahead of the deadline. We went over it two weeks ago when we were going like line item by line yep. item of what we thought the Canucks needs were. And it was like, hey, boy, isn't it weird yeah. that Elias Lindholm fits literally every <laughs> single team need? Yep, But he does. The fit is just about perfect. You know, one reaction that I sometimes have when a team goes out, and buys at the deadline is the old not-enough-pucks-to-go-around reaction, mm. right? You get, you bring in a high-octane offensive player, and on paper, people are like, wow, Rick Nash and Marion Gabryk. And it's like, guess what? Two puck-dominant guys mm-hmm. playing together sometimes works and sometimes doesn't, and it's kind of hard to know until you actually see it. Well, the good thing about Lindholm is even though he's had an off year, and he's really had an off year, I, th- I think it's important to note, right? This has not been a guy that's been at a top-line level. This season. In fact, I think you could describe it as middle six, even as opposed to second line, right? Middle six being the tactful way of saying third line. Uh But in a better offensive environment, like this guy is still getting tremendous defensive results. He's still a driver in terms of what he can bring through the neutral zone. He has the versatility to play wing or center. He wins a bucket load of draws and is now Vancouver's only like right-handed centerman with a face-off winning clip north of 40 percent right because Lafferty's kind of a centerman but yeah has struggled in the circle this year he's an experienced bumper guy right so he can slot in five on four and the Canucks get an upgrade at the net front and that you can move Besser there where he's been really effective both in the past as a playmaker and of late as a screener we haven't seen him spend a ton of time by the blue paint on the power play this season but we've certainly seen him impact a lot of Canucks goals in the dirty areas of the of the ice and he is day one this team's best penalty killing forward like not all that close honestly like he's going to be the first guy like I think they can throw Bluger and him over the boards now yeah to start every penalty kill reduces some of the burden on JT Miller right fewer opportunities to get hit really hard by by pucks, which is important, and will be an upgrade for this team, uh, four on five, which is still, you know, an, an area where they're about average, which represents a significant improvement. Yeah, the thing
0: with Lindholm, as you were outlining there, is just he you can use him in so many different ways. And I think especially when you make the comparison with Kuzmenko, like that's ultimately what the discussion with Kuzmenko oh. was. It's just... His utility just kept dropping. The number of roles he could fill, the number of situations you could use him in was narrowing down, and it was looking like it was going to be zero come the playoffs, right, based on how his usage was trending. Now you get a guy where you like him at even strength. You like him on the power play. You like him on the penalty kill. He can play center. He can take those draws for you. He can go up against the other team's top line if you need him to. He can play on the wing if you want him to. The comparison I was actually kind of thinking, like, he almost strikes me as a premium version of what Pew Suter has been for this team, right? Where it's like, Hey, you have a problem that needs solved in your lineup. Put Pew Suter there. You got an open spot in your top six, top six, try Pew Suter out there. You know, Hey, we need a, we need a fifth guy on power play one. Well, let's see what Pew Suter can do there. Penalty killing. Let's see what Suter can do there. I think Lindholm is a superior version of that. And yeah. as we talk about, you know, talk it being the puzzle guy, this is like, a special puzzle piece that fits with every other puzzle piece. You know what I mean? This is the master key? Yeah, this is basically the master key. And he might not be elite at all of those things. As you say, like, really good penalty killer, really good defensive results, but just the fact that you can put him out there with confidence in so many different roles I think is a huge
1: piece of this. Yeah, if he replaces Bluger with Garland and Dakota Joshua, I think that line is better. Yeah. If he plays with Pedersen on the wing... Mm -hmm. I think that line has a chance to be really good. If you play him with Suter and Mikhaev and sick them on Tufts on home ice and create easier sledding for Besser, Mm Pedersen, Miller, like, whew. Like, if that works, look out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, there's a variety of different ways he can be used. I do think the club, and and Rutherford's explicitly said so on on various other programs, certainly intends to take a look at him with Pedersen first, but – you know, how things start isn't how they end necessarily, mm-hmm. even within the context of a single game. So, you know... Yeah, the- let alone a playoff series, for example, right?
0: Where it, it really can pay dividends to have
1: these different looks you can go to. But for me, the key to the Lindholm bounce back, right? It, the, the, the key to this Canucks team having acquired a piece that really puts them over the top, in my view anyway, is Lindholm bouncing back offensively, mm. okay? I do think, given the price paid... And it is a significant price. My, my, I don't want to get a digression. We'll get into what the... Canucks we'll get into shortly. the price, yeah. But what I really like about this deal is he's not a guy who needs the puck, and in fact, the way he creates offense, the way he's best used offensively, is as an off-puck guy working to find quiet ice where he can then get a quick-release shot on net. Um, that's how he scored 40 goals a couple years back. That's when he's at his best, and that's like exactly the type of profile that I like fitting into a team environment. You, you put him with Pedersen and he doesn't need no like Petterson's still the guy who they'll need to cook in terms of driving the offensive production of that line. But Lindholm can certainly help by being a useful finisher and otherwise helping do some of the dirty work in transition and, and defensively. I mean, that, that to me makes him a good fit. If you're hoping in making this deal that Lindholm's offensive production is going to bounce back somewhat at five on five, like a big part of the bet is whether he plays with Garland, whether he plays with Miller, whether he plays with Pedersen, you're going to have a pretty high-end playmaker on the ice with him at all times. And he's the type of player that can eat, you know, in those minutes without also interfering or or like getting in the way or struggling to build chemistry with the more puck-dominant guy on the line. So that to me is like... The, the crux of this trade turns on – like, he can still be a useful mm-hmm. player filling a variety of – he can provide – even if his offense doesn't bounce back, he'll provide marginal upgrades for the Canucks at just about every game state. But for this to be a deal that provides more upside than that, and I think there's a chance that it can, I do think the offense needs to come. And I like the profile of his game fitting in with whomever. In the top nine, the Canucks got a lot of options uh, for what they can do with him. Okay, to
0: the price that they paid uh, to give up, or to the the price that they had to give up to acquire uh, Elias Lindholm, not cheap, but I also don't think an outrageous price to pay either. Like, in line, I think, in a lot of ways with what the Canucks acquired in the Bo Horvat deal, uh, going back to last year's big trade.
1: Yeah, I mean, there's some actually pretty interesting mirroring between Lindholm and Horvat. Like, first of all, When Horvat was struggling, uh, was it right before, right during that Boudreaux bump season, Mm -hmm. right? And went to Adam Oates in the offseason. Like, one thing he did, very self-consciously, was study where Elias Lindholm scores goals from. He even upped the flex on his stick to be a closer match with Lindholm. So, like, Horvat patented, in some ways, his shooting game, you know, which earned him that huge deal from the Islanders and netted the Canucks what they netted in that deal, in part, uh, off of the player that the Canucks have now acquired, who, you know, is kind of a Horvat replacement. And explicitly, over the course of multiple months, by the way, because mm-hmm. the Canucks have been in pursuit of, of Lindholm for a while, even though things really intensified, I think, beginning about Saturday of this past weekend. The deal was specifically built around the structure of. Of the Horvath trade. So you've got the first. Yeah. You've got Hunter Brustevich. You've got Yoni Yermo. And you've got the conditional fourth, which can become a third. And it would become the higher of Vancouver's two-thirds, provided that the Canucks advance to the Western Conference final. No worries about paying that premium. Nope. Just make it. Just go. <laughs> Just play hockey to late May, boys. So, you know, I think the... I have this real... I don't know. I don't know if you know this about me, but things annoy me for no reason. <laughs> yes, I have, no, I have. I have realized. You that. have? Okay. Yeah. I've noticed. I thought I played it close to the vest. No. I thought I was always composed in public. Um. I don't like a player like Brustevich being heavily hyped up by a fan base until the moment they're traded, at which point it's like they're trash. They're nothing. Like, Prustevich is absolutely... uh, Look, whether he amounts to anything or not Mm -hmm. in the NHL is an open question. It was an open question before the Canucks traded him. It's an open question today. What we know is that he's popped in a major way. Okay? He's had a phenomenal... Like, he's tracking in an exceptional exceptional direction based off the fact that he's leading the OHL in scoring as a right-handed defenseman. He's not the biggest guy. Six foot tall. But he's, like, a bulky guy. He's not... Yeah. You know, a, a slight defender. And and here's the main thing to remember about the Brustevich piece of this. He's a volatile player type, right? Occasionally you'll see an offensive defenseman with his type of toolkit pop. And when they do, when they really hit, they are some of the best players in the league. Like some of the most valuable pieces in the league. But there's also a long list of guys like Bockvist, mm-hmm. um, Ty Smith... Even Brant Clark's sort of making a slower adjustment than you'd have hoped, right? But also, out of nowhere, you get the Sean Durseys of the world, right? And that's a hugely valuable piece for the Arizona Coyotes. The, the question for Bruce Devich is, you know, the, the skating side, the defensive side, although he's made big gains there. And then the number one question for this player type, whether or not they'll hit, do they have the baseline level willingness... To throw a hit and take a hit, yeah, at the NHL level against NHL-sized human beings, um, you know those are open questions. But if he crosses those off, and combines that with his production, like there's a chance he's a really, really good player, and there's also a chance he's a quad A, you know, TJ Brennan type. I, I don't know, but it's a def, it's it's like one of those where it's a good bet by the Flames. I like the Flames buying early on a guy that's tracking this in this promising way, and. As you know, I never have a problem with a team being like, "Hey, this prospect we drafted in the 3rd round now has, has the value. His value has
0: spiked and we spiked. can we now, can use that." Now yep.
1: now he has the exchange value of something more like a 2nd. Yep. Let's uh let's capitalize on that while we can. So I like the bet both ways. I just think we should note like this this price paid looks like market price. It's very much in line with The Ryan O'Reilly exchange absent an additional second round pick, which the Leafs sent the Blues in order for them to retain half the salary, no retention on Lindholm, and the Horvat deal, which it was like consciously by both sides built around. Um, It's a big price. It's a good player. Fundamentally focusing on the value here is to miss the forest for the trees. This trade will not be judged and should not be judged in my view based off of Is it an overpay? Yeah, or like... Is it a value deal? If the player they pick it with the first round pick turns out to be good or not. You know what I mean? It's like, well... That adds some salt to the wound, and we're not going to ignore it.
0: No, but it's not... It doesn't retroactively change whether it was a good deal or not. No. You know what I mean? No, Because you always know that's a possibility when
1: you trade the pick. It just becomes more painful if the fit's not good. Yeah. (laughs) No, the... But fundamentally, it's, does this trade upgrade the Canucks' chances in the Western Conference sufficiently. I think it does. I think it's a fair price paid um, and a really good hockey fit for the Canucks.
0: Um, Broadsheet portion of the whiteboard today. and we got a very, very busy show, obviously. Tons of reaction to the Lindholm deal. Uh, Jason Bukola will join us at 1230. Jeremy Colleton, Abbotsford Canucks head coach, will join us at 1. Really looking forward to that. Some people have texted in, so does this mean you're not doing the trade show? Yes. And this is really nobody's fault but ours, Drance, for not realizing that this could happen. Yeah, we talk incessantly. You know, Jim Rutherford likes to do his work early ahead of the deadline, no, no. and it's like, "Oops, <laughs> jump in the market." <laughs> we left it a little too late. We'll see.
1: We'll maybe we'll do like the depth version of it tomorrow. I don't know. And maybe we just postpone it another week and do it as like a post Lindholm. Yeah, we'll you know? figure it out. We'll, we'll, what do the Canucks do now? Yeah,
0: exactly. We'll try to figure something. But yeah, out. all
1: of your suggestions included the Canucks 2024 <laughs> first and Andre Kuzmenko. And Andre But yeah. by the way, again, I do think it's worth noting because I didn't bring yep. it up. The first is the most valuable piece in that deal. And then it's Mm Brustevich, and those are the material costs. There's other stuff in the deal which is, you know, of value. I'm not trying to diminish it. But two really big pieces, and then Kuzmenko, and because we didn't bring it up, but uh, but I think it's an important part of this. I really do think it's important to look at this deal as the Canucks paid Brustevich a first and some auxiliary assets, okay? And in return, netted Elias Lindholm and five and a half million dollars in cap space next year. I, think, I that think that's a crucial part of this deal. That flexibility
0: is very, very significant. You know, we, you know how I love my. We can talk about this at some point, and look, I don't know why okay, I we don't want to so get it. I don't want to get ahead and start looking to the off season, but all of a sudden, the flexibility of the different things they could do in the summer is huge. Well, like, I
1: also we need to spend a segment going over like Elias Lindholm is not. Patterson Insurance and, like, some of the other yeah, stuff yeah, 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 yeah. affiliated with this deal. But, yeah, anyway. All right. Uh, what else in the sheet, sheet? Quickly,
0: so I just loved this uh, quote from Elliot Friedman on the Jeff Merrick Show. He says what this what this trade says is the Vancouver Canucks think they're going to win the Stanley Cup this year. And he said it dead seriously. you love to hear it. you love to hear the confidence. Although I know uh, Jim Rutherford was a little more demure on
1: the, when he was on the Merrick Show a little bit later. No, well, I think – whether they think they can or not, they think they can enough that they're going to yep. put their best foot forward. Mm-hmm. That's, that's I think, the overall. Okay. Uh, of course, there was the reports out there
0: last night that Chris Tanev could end up being involved in this deal. Friedman says the Canucks asked about Tanev. The price was prohibitive right now. He says it's something that will get revisited in the offseason. I should also mention Rick Dollywall saying the Canucks are going to monitor Tanev. So Friedman saying maybe they revisit it in the offseason when he's a UFA. Dollywall saying that
1: like maybe revisit it before the deadline as well yeah i think they tried yeah i think they tried i think there's a lot of interest around tanev i think there's a sense that tanev might be the most desirable defenseman rental defenseman on the market Mm -hmm. um i just think what the flames are hoping for or expecting in return uh wasn't something the canucks felt they could do in addition to the significant price paid here um we'll see we'll see if it gets revisited uh should the price drop a bit Line up notes, and by
0: the we'll, we'll get into a little. There's bit no more. question.
1: Like, there's no question. A, civic holiday if Chris Tanev returns. <laughs> B, the Canucks organization really enjoys civic holidays.
0: Uh, okay. Um, if they had done, the, I mean it. If they had done the Lindholm Tanev, oh package. my goodness! Are you kidding me? Oh my! Oh man. A couple weeks ago, you were off for some reason. I did the show by myself, and I said what Rutherford needs to do is, like, the Steph Curry heat check where he pulls up from the logo against OKC and hits the game-winning shot. That would have been the heat check right there. The Lindholm TANF package deal six weeks out from the trade deadline. Yeah, that would have been Oh, man, that would have been absolutely amazing. Uh, Quick lineup notes. The only thing I'll mention is that Jim Rutherford said uh, in a couple of different venues that he's talked to Rick Talkett, and he suspects – suspects that Elias Lindholm will play with Elias Petterson, at yeah. least to start but obviously I think there's a little options. bit
1: of doubt on that like I think it's very much like make no mistake Rick Tockett's going to make his own decisions but yeah I think in in your mind's eye you trade Kuzmenko who was supposed to be Pettersson's running mate this season that hasn't quite worked out mm-hmm. Canucks have a new running mate for him uh,
0: playoff forecast as you mentioned
1: Canucks odds get a
0: boost in Dom's model here because of this trade, they're now up to a 64% chance to win the Pacific. Edmonton's at a 29% chance. That's a pretty big gap right now. It's the highest it's been all season for
1: the Canucks. When it was, what, 33? 33, 33 like 57? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a 6%. That's meaningful. Yeah.
0: That's like very, very meaningful. What, now,
1: what are their Stanley Cup odds at?
0: Uh, still 5%, which I oh, think no, is that's up, up from four. That's up one. Yeah. Up that's from four. that's
1: meaningful. Uh, no, 91% Remember, that chance. model cannot quit the Edmonton Oilers. Yes. So until the Edmonton Oilers are have a stake through their hearts, <laughs> Are dead the model buried. is never going yep. to rate the Canucks as like having a commensurate chance with what we might expect. Yeah. Uh, just because the model is like very, very confident that Edmonton's the best team in hockey. Uh, 91% chance overall to have home ice in the first round for the Canucks. <whistles> Betting odds. Let's go. Um, New odds posted now that we have our assignments in the NHL skills competition. Let's go. Okay. Overall, NHL skill champion, uh, skills competition champion, Connor McDavid is favored at six and a half to one, followed by Kale McCarr at seven to one. Okay. Quinn Hughes comes in at nine to one. Pedersen comes in at nine to one, and JT Miller comes in at ten to one, ahead of William Nylander and tied with Austin Matthews and Leon Draisaitl. Pretty good company. Yeah, very good company. One timers. There's a one timers competition. All right. Pasternak is favored along with Matthews and Dreisaitl, all at five to one. Pedersen six to one. I don't know that guy can wire a one timer. Absolutely, he can. NHL All Star Skills Accuracy Shooting Winner. Dreisaitl, Pasternak, and McDavid are favored again at six and a half to one. Quinn Hughes nine, nine to one. JT Miller eight to one. Uh, Quinn Hughes has the longest odds in this competition, along tied with Kale McCarr. Now this one's the good one. Hardest shot winner. Okay. Now remember, the NHL no longer brings defensemen to right. the NHL All Star Game. It seems well, Kyle McCarr and Quinn Hughes. But yeah, this is a forward-dominated
0: category here. There's a
1: there's a few rovers. Yeah. Elias Pettersson favored to win the NHL hardest shot competition plus 150. Hard to make money off Elias Petterson. So yeah. if you want to make money off someone, JT Miller is second in nice. has the second shortest odds in this category plus 350. McCarr, Pasternak and Matthews bringing up the rear. Stick handling winners: Pedersen six to one, Hughes is seven to one. Passing challenge winners: This is the event that Hughes is favorite, six and a half to one. Uh, J.T. Miller has the longest odds at ten to one, and then the fastest skater winner: Hughes has the longest odds in the competition at twelve to one. In fairness to him, McDavid, Barzell, and mean, Kale McCarr yeah. are all competing. <laughs>
0: McDavid is
1: prohibitive favorite, I, I would think. There, where's your where's your regional pride, bro? Come on, it's Connor McDavid. Coquitlam's Matthew Barzell, let's right, go. Sure. Um, okay. That's they the call whiteboard. them the Coquitlam Express. By he's the way, from Coquitlam, you
0: can't, you can't, uh, you can't bet on this. But Lindholm is now 100 percent going to be the first pick of the Hughes petterson because Lindholm's there, right? Yeah, maybe. they have to take him first. They should. come on,
1: new guy. Yeah, you new guy. Gotta, you got um, it. You got to do it. But like, very seriously, uh, before you poopa Matthew Barzell's chances here, I'm
0: not pooping
1: anything. <laughs> uh, yeah, you sound like the, the grand poopa. Grand <laughs> Barzell, plus 185. McDavid, plus 130. So it's not a huge not, gap, not man. Not a prohibitive favorite, but he is the favorite. Okay, great. All right. Said said in the tone of a snotty kid who's technically correct. <laughs> that's, that's the best kind of correct. Yeah, but he's the favorite. Uh, the iconic <laughs> Coors Light <laughs> Children. Sorry, right. I shouldn't have raised my voice like that. It'd <laughs> be right. I'm just... Outraged on Barzell's hat. That's right. Anyway, I know we need to go to break or Dom's going to get mad. The uh, Dom's not here, so he can't get mad. That's take true. that, Dom. The he's, iconic... he's mad in absentia. Okay. The iconic Course Light <laughs> Chill Train
0: is heading to Las Vegas for the big game, and it just made a stop in Vancouver, leaving behind a trail of epic prizes on February 1st and 2nd from 8 a.m. to 7 p.m. Look for its frozen tracks at Robson Square. Hey, that's today, right now, uh, for a chance to win instant prizes that deliver big game day chill or... The ultimate grand prize, a trip to next year's big game event. Learn more at coreslight.ca slash TheChillTrain. No purchase necessary, must be 21 plus for the grand prize. Full contest details at coreslight.ca slash TheChillTrain. We'll take a break. Jason Buccalo from Sportsnet up next here on Canucks Talk. Sportsnet 650.